0: Hey, and welcome back to the A24 podcast. For today's episode, we brought together two of this year's Emmy nominees, Stephen Yun and Michael Imperioli. Steven stars in our Netflix series, Beef, and Michael has a very memorable role in season two of HBO's The White Lotus, one of our favorite non-A24 productions. Please note, this conversation was recorded pre-Strike. We hope you
1: enjoy it. So we should introduce ourselves, is that usually? All right. All right. Hi, this is Steven Yun, And this is Michael Imperioli, and today we're talking on the A24 podcast. Where are you today?
0: I'm in my house in, uh, in L.A. How about yourself? In LA.
1: Yeah, I'm in my house in New York. Right on. It's really cool to talk to you.
0: Same here. Mm, yeah. It's, same here. It's,
1: this is very cool. How long have you lived in L.A.? I,
0: I'm originally from Michigan. I moved here 2009, and I got here, and then I booked a show that took me to Atlanta for seven years. So I've been like in and out of this place. I did the whole, I hate this place for a while. And
1: I, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm back to, I like this place, fine.
1: You did a show meaning The, uh, the Walking Dead, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, show. Dead took, that show. That well, <laughs> show. Um, where Michigan? Where are you from? I'm from Detroit suburbs, Troy, Michigan. Uh, so, like, ah, I lived in suburbs. Royal Oak for a while. Oh, you did? For, for a year. For work? Yeah, I did a series <laughs> in two thousand ten. Oh amazing. Two thousand eleven. We shot in Detroit in the city. We made a studio out of some warehouse in Highland Park. Yeah. But I lived in Royal Oak and you know drove. Oh, that's which amazing. is very not far from Troy. Not at all. And Royal Oak is a nice place to get the real culture of,
0: of Michigan. What did you think of Michigan? you <laughs> you could <can> be honest.
1: <laughs> I liked it a lot until it got really <laughs> until it got cold. It got very it, it's brutal. dismal. Yeah. Gray and really yeah. cool. It was hard for me because my, my wife and kids were in New York. They came for the summer because the job started in the summer, mm-hmm. and the summer's are quite nice there. Mm-hmm. There's lakes not far away, and, you know, it's kind of like Royal Oak's, like, small-town life. It was really nice, and then they went back to New York for school, and um, I would try to get back when I could because I was, I was the lead of the show, so I worked all the time, and... Um,
0: Oh, wait, you did, it was Detroit 187, yes? Detroit
1: 187, so I I would fly home sometimes. You know, we did, like, Fratterdays, days, like, all night Fridays, and then I'd get on the first plane Saturday and go home fly back Sunday afternoon and go back to work Monday at 6 in the morning, and it was, I'd do that twice a month. How old were your kids at the time? Let's see. The youngest was, like, Mm 8. The middle was 12, no, 13. And my oldest was, like, twenty. Actually, my middle was on the show a couple of episodes. Oh, sick. He played my son. Can I just say,
0: like, Uh. from afar, and I know nothing of your life, but from afar, I very much admire what feels like a really balanced, real life doing this very strange at times work. And that's, like, so Mm. cool. I'm sure it was not easy, but much, much respect.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, my kids are now all adults and, and live on their own. So that period's over mm. with living you know, living with the kids and raising them. But I got lucky because I had a long stretch where the, on The Sopranos, I was in, in New York where we were living at the time. So yeah. I got to come home every night. So that was really quite a long stretch of time. And then...
0: Can I ask, did being on something like Sopranos and being able to do Goodfellas and kind of having... I feel like maybe, perhaps, there was a slot for an, an Italian-American existence to already exist, but you were part of the forming of like an even more nuanced reality. Does that does that make it easier at times or harder for you to kind of be a pioneer of that mm. life in a way?
1: Well, you know, it's an extension of what I what turned me on to the bu- You know, in the business, because was like movies from the '70s and early '80s, some of whom were made by Italian Americans like Coppola and Scorsese mm. and and actors like you know who all like de niro or al pacino who are heroes of mine you know so i definitely had a aspiration towards those things and you know that the italian american acting community in new york is kind of small like mm. there's a lot of italian americans in new york but the actual acting community is kind of small so a lot of us before sopranos knew each other Awesome. From other jobs, you know, Goodfellas yeah. and some of Spike Lee's stuff and, and, uh, and, and other things, you know. So when Sopranos hit, a lot of us were already friends. I mean, mm. two of the actors on The Sopranos I knew from my te- when I was a teenager in, in acting was- classes. So it kind of felt like a real victory, in a way, that awesome. people you UK- can't— Only really Lorraine Bracco was really the only star when mm. the show started. Everyone else was kind of in the same boat done a lot of work character actors people knew you a little here from here and there but it felt like a victory when that became a success and a lot of us who knew each other you know had that together that was really cool yeah you know and really fun and that that it was so embraced that way
0: did you have difficulty that first season of like kind of maybe not how it was received but i heard from sunny who created our show that they didn't quite fully understand sopranos that first season uh when it came out the you mean the audience? The, or the well not maybe not the audience, but maybe the industry or maybe mm. life at large. Or it wasn't celebrated at the way it is now. Where we're it like was that.
1: critically celebrated right mm. away, right? Like the when it came, when it went on the air, the reviews were really off the charts to the point where Saturday Night Live did a spoof that first season on the reviews of The Sopranos because the reviews were really hyperbolic and, right. and over the top, you know. <laughs> And people started watching, you know, I think it was the industry itself, like, we, the, we were nominated for best show that first mm. year, and we were the only cable show, really, that was nominated for pretty much anything, mm. but the, the Sopranos didn't win best show till, like, I think it was season five which in hindsight, considering like it's always on the list of the, you know, one of yeah. the best shows ever, and now, in hindsight, and, and all these younger people who t- got turned onto it, the fact that the first four years it lost best TV sh- series, to mainly to The West Wing and The Practice, I think, were the shows that wow. were beating it at the time. Maybe NYPD blew that first, maybe not, though. Mm-hmm. That might have been on the way out. So industry-wise, it was a little slow, and we were such sore losers. Like we went out to the Emmys and we thought we were going to win because it, it, yeah. it, it did make such a splash that yeah. first year. And when we lost Best Show, we all walked out. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I we love got that. up in the Emmys and walked right out. All of us. <laughs> That's we awesome. We were just so pissed off. Really, we're very sore losers and you know overly cocky. But yeah, it was, it was an interesting. Time and it, it, it kind of built over time, you know.
0: I, I don't know. I feel like that feels so justified and like also like part of the process of being brave enough to put a show like that out to begin with.
1: Yeah. And it was, I'll tell you the truth that, you know, we did the pilot first, right? Mm-hmm. And when I read the pilot, you can't really tell how kind of complex and where it would go. It was, you know, the pilot was fun and interesting, but you really didn't get a sense of the possibilities. And I wasn't really sure the tone of the pilot. Was it a spoof? Was it, there was a lot of very funny things. And HBO series was not a prestige thing by any stretch of the imagination. It was actually the opposite. It was Mm. almost like the minor leagues of series. It really was. Wow. Was there was no prestige about it. It was really kind of like you know second place to like network TV. Network. I mean, I I hadn't done much television. I had mostly done theater and movies, mostly independent movies. So it was like a series where there's violence and profanity and nudity. It really didn't have much promise, like Mm -hmm. as something commercial. So we were kind of surprised actually that it got picked up. And then when we did the first season, that's when you really saw. Oh, after getting script after script you're like whoa wait a second this is way beyond what i thought it was or could have been and yeah and and it got really interesting what was the the kind of parallel for you with like walking dead like did that immediately take off was it a a slower
0: Uh, well for that one for me i was so just on a ride that i think i think if i look at it like from like a meta meta level there was like the ride that it took me on in terms of you know, just being a part of something like that where most everybody was unknown. We got to work with Frank Darabont, which was incredible. And then to feel, I remember that, that's the first thing I'd ever really been on. And to have the rumbling while we were shooting, like episode three, people were like, this is really good. And I don't know, I don't know what that means. Like I'm listening to Jeff DeMunn. He wasn't saying that because he was wise enough not to say stuff like that. But like, you know, there were people that were like, this is feeling really good. And I was just enjoying it and that took me on a 7-year ride where I got to see maybe not all the extremes of Hollywood, but I got to touch a lot of things. I saw a lot of things. And I don't mean that in like some way like I saw some dark nefarious stuff. I just mean more like, oh, I see how this business can be psychologically difficult at times. It can be emotionally draining, it can be um, a weird social reality. I I experienced a lot in a short period of time, very quickly. I'm just grateful for that experience. I got to act, being an Asian American guy, um, being a Korean American guy, in a post-apocalyptic reality where nobody cared that I was Korean American before the world had even caught up to that idea. And I feel like if I had gotten maybe the other pilots that I was close to, which were like office comedies or, you know, something that was rooted in like our current reality, I don't know if I would have been able to see myself as clear. Mm. I I think I could have been very easily reduced to like, the role that someone like that looks like me should inhabit in a reality that makes sense. And I would have just bought into it because I was young and like impressionable. And,
1: and you want to work. I want to work, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what do you want me to do? I'll be a plucky assistant?
0: I'll be a plucky assistant, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then like, to have this carte blanche in a way to like really grow my character over time, and it was weird, unintentional
1: therapy for me
0: of kind of deconstructing the way that I viewed myself as a person in this place looking the way that I do. And so in I'm, the I'm, indus-
1: very- you mean in the industry? Or?
0: In yeah, in yeah. the industry and at yeah. times in in real reality too, you know. I mm. I, I came up doing second city theater in, in Chicago. In Chicago, and I had a great time and those are some of my favorite years where like, you know, when you're doing improv, nobody cares also what your ethnicity is. They're just kind of like we're just playing make believe, make-ups, we're just fucking around and I appreciated that. But then once things got scripted, in like sketch world, then it became like hyper aware of like what you're able to play and like how the joke is actually crafted around the way that you are and look. And the comedy was very rigid in that way where where you're self aware of yourself. But for me, I was a young kid, I was not self aware like that. I was just kind of like, I, I wasn't even in this like confident place to like properly make fun of myself from a confident place. I was just leading with self-deprecation as like this payment to be around in in a way if that makes sense and so it, it helped me really detox a lot of that stuff yeah that was my experience on walking dead it was a very strange trip that i'm very 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 grateful for was it a hit right away yeah it was
1: wasn't it yeah yeah pretty much like, out of
0: the box popped off it was like one yeah. day i walked into a best buy nobody cared and then the next day they're like are you the guy?" and then like i remember feeling so shocked at that it kind of it's fucked me up, but uh, I dealt with it. We're good. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's an abruptness to those things that's. Um, Truly. Like with The Sopranos, I had been around a bit, and like Goodfellas was a very popular movie, so people would know you from here and there, but all, all of a sudden it, it mm-hmm. got very, very different very quickly. Because, you know, that TV. kind of consistency of TV. And, yeah.
0: And you're in the intimacy of people's homes
1: yeah yeah there's definitely a period of adjustment to that, yeah did that go well for you? Was that easy for you? um I don't know, I wouldn't say easy. Mm. it was interesting <laughs> when the sps hit it was before social media and really before everyone had phones and mm. capability to video mm. and take pictures all the time, yeah, which was probably a good thing' cause, yeah um, oh my God, you know it was a little <laughs> it, there was a little bit more anonymity and especially yeah. when you have young kids there's a there's a little I mean, now it's a lot more relaxed, but when the kids were young when The Sopranos hit. Actually, my youngest wasn't even born. He was born in 2001. And there's this, you know, a balance to wanting to kind of protect them and, the pri- and some privacy and, and things like that. And them kind of navigating that as well. Like, what's...
0: Yeah, I'm finding that with my kids. They're, they're young, but they're also... How old are your kids? Six and four. Oh, and- yeah, you're in deep. Yeah, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in, you see the bags That's the beginning.
1: Axe? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, it goes very quickly, believe it or not. It doesn't yeah. seem like it in the midst of it, but, and, but it's, it's wonderful. Those are wonderful ages. Mm. I'm, really we're fun. having a great time. I'm, I'm, of course. I, I, and
0: that's kind of what I meant earlier too, of just like seeing from afar and making a lot of assumptions about how to navigate that stuff. But I always appreciate when I see an actor that's feels like, you know, you're doing your best, but going home every weekend that's like that's not easy that's not to uh, that's not easy no
1: anymore. no it's not but you know you um you make it work right mm-hmm. they would come mm-hmm. out when they could and you know on vacations if i was on location and after the sopranos i was on location a lot you know and different mm. sometimes out of the country or you know different parts of the of america and and it, you know you just do your best and yeah but uh
0: what was that like to do sopranos and then do all this work, this great work in between. And then not that they're like completely tangential or like completely mixed, but like it felt like that must have been so fun to
1: go to Italy mm. for White Lotus. I don't know, well, I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> it is it was I mean, I was pretty much when when they said there was interest in me for season two of White Lotus, I I had not seen season one, I had heard mm. it was really good. But they said, Well, it shoots for four months in Sicily and I was immediately like, unless this is horrendous I'm going to want to do it, obviously um yeah. I had been to Sicily before and I've been to other parts of Italy many times and my I have family that still lives mm. in Italy. uh so and we had been we had actually been to the place where we filmed in Taormina, mm. and I always wanted to work. I had not worked well i we shot a soprano episode in in Naples, that was the only time I worked there, but I was dying to like do a gig there, and that was that was a real thrill and and we shot in a small town Taormina is relatively small, especially in the in the summer, it gets very busy because it's a touristy place. Mm. Um, but when we were there which from the end of February, it was very quiet. And we kind of had the town to ourselves in a way and really fell into the rhythm wow. of that small town Sicilian lifestyle. And it was really fun. Oh, my
0: God. You guys got like an old world rendering of that place. Maybe yeah. that has never
1: happened before. It was very exciting because we were the hotel where we shot was closed except we were there, the crew and cast and the staff. So we were living there and shooting there, which um, was incredibly fun, you know, to, to, you know, take the, the elevator to work you know it was pretty did you become weird de facto tour guide did they make you tour guide or you you were like nah i'm not i'm just gonna do my own thing (laughs) you know we 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 did little day trips and and you can take the train really easily there so um there was somebody on the crew who really knew everywhere to go that you know was from there and really helped us out but you know you find a couple a handful of cool places and when I'm on location, I like to find one, two, three good places and then mm. just go there all the time. and mm. they get to know you, Same. and they take care of you and you always get a seat. That's what I like to do, and I did yeah. that in Sicily. You know, you try a few and whatever's good, you just keep going and you make friends and you, you tip well and yeah, and then you have friends. And it, you know what's nice, I think our job is a really nice job to travel with because you you go somewhere and you immediately meet people from that place, you know, because mm. a lot of our crew are Italian. And you meet people from that area who know it and um, and very different than going as a tourist, you know. Mm. That's one of the benefits, I think, of what we do. And it feels like, too, like
0: I've gotten to work in Korea a couple times and every time I go back, I feel like there's like a part of my like body that shifts or like maybe the easiest way to be like, oh, like there's like a part of my consciousness that opens up. But... I also feel like it like changes my genes or something when I go back to Korea and like work there for a long time.
1: When was the first time you went to Korea? So I was born in Korea. Oh, you were and, born there, okay.
0: Yeah, but I moved when I was four. So four. Um, I was very aware of having moved. And then I didn't go back. I went back periodically when I was like eighth grade and like a little bit in college. And I didn't go back for a year, or for like a 10 years. And then I got to go back professionally, to shoot this movie called Okja. And then I got to do this succession of, like, other Korean projects of Okja, and then I got to do this other film called Burning There. Doing Burning There really kind of unlocked my brain a little bit. Just feeling that place and, like, being there. And, yeah, I probably did a blasphemous thing, but my character at the time in that movie was such kind of, like, a ritualistic person. So I just ate Subway every day, which... (laughs)
1: In in in, in Korea. Korea. Yeah, the best Korean food, and I fucking ate Subway every day. Subway, yeah. <laughs> you always spoke the language since yeah, when you were a kid. Yeah, you so it, that's, it, gr- well that's Well amazing. enough. Mm. That's great. I was born in New York, and my father was born here. But my my father's father was born in Italy. So there were about six or seven kids, and half of them came, my grandfather's siblings, half of them came to the US, and the other half stayed. So there's a lot of family there yeah. outside of Rome. I never went till I was 25. And I wow. went to Rome, and I remember I, I was in Paris for a while, and then I went to Rome, checked into the place where I was staying, and then went for a walk. And it was right in the center, historical center of Rome. And it was one of the weirdest, trippiest things I, cause, uh, I ever experienced. And still kind of experienced it now, but that first time, because it was there were so many things that were familiar, mm. like faces and smells <laughs> yeah. and sounds— Mm. And light and stuff, and yet it also was foreign. I never had that experience anywhere else because there's definitely. I mean, that part of the world is where you know yeah. my family's from. So there's there is this connection, and mm. I remember I I got there. I was with a, an ex girlfriend, you know, when I was young, and I had a phone number of my aunt, and I called. And I I'm studying Italian now, but I, mm. I I've always had just like very pigeon Italian. So I'm, mm. I'm trying to really. The last year I've been really making an attempt to learn a little more. And I called up, and I told them who I was. And they're like, oh, we're going to have dinner. Come over. So we got on the subway, and we go over to the— And I, I had only met the great aunt. So then there was an, another aunt who was my father's age and my cousin my age, and I had never met them. And we're trying to communicate. You know, they didn't speak English. I spoke hardly, hardly Italian. Not mm. really. But we're communicating, and then they served dinner, which was pasta. Mm. Now, here's where it got really trippy. The sauce from the pasta tasted exactly like— mm. The sauce that was made in my grandfather's house, because wow. my great grandmother moved, you know, to the U.S. and lived with my grandfather, so yeah. that was her recipe, and the same. It was exactly the same taste. Wow! And that kind of blew my mind because yeah. I was like, oh, this is this is the recipe that kind of was started here you're like time traveling you're yeah like physically
0: traveling yeah you're like an alternate dimension that's amazing yeah
1: it was really really <laughs> well very emotional very yeah. that first day was it was really overwhelming the kind of sen- sensorial stimulation was like it was wow mm. you, and you see in people's like mannerisms and speech patterns like elements of your own family and like yeah yeah it's interesting
0: yeah 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 no it's beautiful that way i felt like it was really fun to watch you in white lotus to see you choose like the comfort of being there your character yeah. was like yeah we come here we do this thing and like i know this place and i do this thing and that's always an interesting thing to kind of like see or feel when, when you're when you're watching somebody especially when the show is like here's a foreign place where like the other half of your cast is vacationing there. Right. And you're just kind of sitting in the pocket of that place.
1: Yeah, and experiencing the, whatever connection that is because there yeah. is a connection. And at the same time, you're a foreigner. That's mm-hmm. the other thing. Mm-hmm. And so there's this weird disconnect. this you know, connection and disconnection. I've been back to Italy many times since that first trip, but mm. I really, really love it.
0: I really yeah. love, love I, being I there
1: every minute. Do you, you go often to just visit and spend time there? Um
0: In the last, Decade plus, I've gone to mostly work. I haven't really gone to vacation. I hope we can do that more now. Now that the kids are a little older,
1: yeah. So we're looking forward cool. to that.
0: Yeah, we made this joke in our show uh, about peninsula mentality and how Koreans and Italians are the same.
1: <laughs> oh right, because they're <laughs> they're surrounded on three sides. <laughs> yeah.
0: well, we just made a bunch of bullshit up. We were just You're talking, just one hanging day. off the. Uh, <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: but like it was funny to make parallels of just like there's like food there's like family family culture right. fashion like it's right. it's a it's a similar kind of thing i feel like have cars even tradition you know? yeah 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 like, like, like ritual
1: kind of family ritual and cultural trad- ritual and stuff like that that becomes very important
0: yeah um, and a little bit of a vibe of like i wouldn't even call it superiority i would call it like chippy superiority like one that's built off of like having at least on the korean side that feels like a little bit of a chip on our shoulder so we're kind of like trying to flex um i don't know what the italian one is rooted in y'all had rome so wow
1: well, they, they they <laughs> yeah i remember i read something uh well i forget exactly what it was they were saying what's some of your favorite things about the culture was just being italian well, y- like, well, that's what y- Italian yes, said like, what I mean. being italian is there's a certain like a flex or a swag that comes with <laughs> yeah. that, which just like, there's a really great word in Italian that doesn't really have a translation in English and it's called sprezzatura, which means mm. doing something difficult, but making it look like it's very easy.
0: Mm. Ooh. So like,
1: you know, like dressing really good, but making it look like you just put it together. Yeah. You know, there's, a, there's an awareness. Like uh, I went to this restaurant in Positano, right on the water called, um, I think it's called Shea Black. And they made this very simple pasta, right? Like It was like spaghetti with these little yeah. round tomatoes that grow in the volcanic soil of Vesuvius with like garlic and a little bit of cheese and olive oil. Mm. Very simple, but one of the best things I've ever eaten. Right. And I told the manager, I said, this pasta, this is one of the greatest things I've ever had. And he said in his head, he goes, this, the chef, he makes this with one hand and the other hand he's talking to his mother on the telephone, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, like ah, that's good. That's very Italian.
0: But all the but all the preparation to make that thing good, all the work is embedded into like everything before it. Yes, right. Like growing that tomato. Of course, picking that tomato. Yeah, knowing just the right amount of olive oil to put into that pasta. Right. I, and
1: I think simple's a, yeah. not easy. Semplice no, non simply. facile. That's what they mm-hmm. say. Simple mm-hmm. is simple, but not easy. Yeah. Because if you if you there's only there's nowhere to hide anything. There's only a few ingredients. Yep. If you don't get the proportions right or the preparation right, it's you don't have it. Totally, totally. I feel that I
0: mean not I, I mean, I didn't know it was gonna go here, but like that's that's kinda how I feel about having watched your performance. It feels that way. It feels like Watching you in White Lotus and in Sopranos, it never felt like calculated. It felt very lived in. It felt very, um, like you did a lot of the work unseen.
1: Uh, I kind of felt the same way about watching you in, in Beef. There was a simplicity, and again, sim- sim- simple mm. is not easy, mm. and honesty and trusting that what you're bringing is enough, you know? so I think sometimes as actors in the past, you always feel like there's, there's, you have to do you know, you got to yeah. be doing more and doing more. And, and over the years, I've tried to do less mm. and do less, not do more than what's needed. You know, there's certain demands that have to be met when you play certain characters that right. just have to... You know, like The Sopranos, when I started that show, I based my character on somebody that I I actually knew who was a very... Well, he was an Italian-American from New York, and he was... Very loosely involved with the mob. He wasn't a made-made guy, but he had he'd gotten involved with people adjacent to the mm-hmm. mob, and then had to leave, you know, New York because of it. Had aspirations about being an actor too at some point, but then that didn't work out. But emotionally, what was interesting about him, he was his reaction to things was so like so much, like <laughs> it, it almost looked like bad acting. Like <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe he was that invested in everything. Yeah, And I thought that was really kind of interesting because yeah. that's not me, you know, I'm not right. like that. So I used that in the beginning. And then, you know, once the show got started, you just kind of, you know, the the engine's there, you just turn the key, the engine's already built. But building yeah. the engine, I kind of used him. I never thought about him again, probably after the pilot. Mm. But with White Lotus, I really made an attempt to do as little as possible. Like mm. it, was, it was really, really, really deliberate. Mm. I always try to try to find parallels, you know, and yeah. as much as I can. Um, did you have a good time shooting beef? I
0: had, I, I did, I, I had a good time. It was, it was only painful in so much as that I had to like stay in a mindset that I myself as kind of an immigrant have been trying to shed my whole life, the, the, kind of a very deep scarcity. You know, but like staying in it, justifying his reality from that place, like all of it, it it felt closer to your performance in Sopranos in that way, where like my guy is also big at times. Almost kind of like he needs to like tell everybody that he's feeling this way so that, you know, like it becomes a performance on a performance. He can't just like live with the feeling, he has to like alert everybody that this is
1: happening to him when you said deep scarcity you mean in terms of the immigrant experience and that, yeah like, in that, that way yeah, yeah just kind of like, opportunity and things like that mm, yeah. gotta get yeah.
0: it if you don't have it, it means you're not anything like you must eat it now you might go away like never be satisfied never be grateful right. just kind of live in this space this mentality so it, it was fun because I was with friends
1: and we were making we're just laughing. <laughs> you were but friends like, with so, with the, uh, some of the other actors and, and the yeah, creator? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah with, with the creator, uh, Sonny. Sonny. Allie I met, Allie was really wonderful. Okay. We met before, but we didn't get to ever work together. I didn't know her very well until this show. With Sonny, just kind of getting to reminisce about kind of what you said, like our friend who's like this, and why is he this way? And is that us too? Are we this way? Or like, there's parts of us that are like, oh, remember that at church? Like, how weird that was? Did you have that too? And it turns out, like, we did and then life gets weird and <laughs> just fun it's fun
1: that way so at what point did you get involved in, in the in, uh, you're a producer on it as well so uh, were yeah. you on in, involved in the inception of it and the creation of it as well and
0: well Sonny came to me a couple years back and was like hey I want to write this show about road rage incident this road rage incident I was like oh I, I immediately that was the I made, seed the road rage yeah, incident. yeah yeah he was like road rage and then you know, Him and I have known each other for a while and most of our conversations start at some dumb thing and then they end up at like, why does God exist or what is that? What is God? You know, we just existentially loop. But as we got into it, yeah, we, we, we started developing it more. And then when Ali jumped aboard, it really like made sense. There was something really, it, it felt right. And so, yeah, the whole trip of it was really bizarre and fun and strange.
1: And all of that comes into the show. It feels like in the show, bizarreness, strangeness, fun, you know, fun, humor. It's, you know, I know I, I, I've i heard that Sonny talk about the Sopranos and that, that, that mm-hmm. was an influence, I know, totally. on him. But, you know, that, that edge of, you know, real... Scary stuff, tragic stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. emotional. um, I mean, your character is really lost. It seems, and you know, really lost. And look, and uh, uh, searching for meaning, right? Mm -hmm. What, Mm -hmm. where, what has meaning, and where, and especially when all the meaning that he's
0: been ascribed or conditioned to believe in was intrinsic, like capitalist value. Like, how much money are you making? What's your status in this place? And um, when, he, when, when, when he's living in America where, they say, where we say, like, you can be whatever you want. And it's like, what do you mean? I can only, I can only right. be three things. I can be a doctor, lawyer, dentist. Like, that's all I can. I, I got to do these things. I got to make money. And I, I think spiritually what Sonny was always pointing at with Sopranos was maybe the boldness to, like, let people in on a little bit of the cringy stuff. That you usually don't lead with from a community. Not that Sopranos was, I don't know if it was for you, but like, I don't know if it was like some like Italian American plant or flag plant. It wasn't like some like, yeah, and neither was B for us. It wasn't like, we're telling you what Koreans are like or Asian Americans are like. It was more for us, you know, when I watch Sopranos, I'm just like, usually Tony is supposed to just be like a fucking rad, like Don, just like dominating people, doing whatever he wants. But he also goes to therapy, and he has moments of weakness. And you show you show aspects of yourself that are, like, pathetic at times. And that, I felt like, was the spirit of it, just this unabashed boldness to just exist, to, to, yeah. to, to just exist.
1: Yeah, and that, uh, I mean, the, the dark... Part of that culture you know there's racism and homophobia mm-hmm. and sexism and all those things, mm-hmm. that small mindedness that mm-hmm. I mean I certainly you know grew mm-hmm. up around to some degree, you know mm-hmm. not everybody but same the, the the cool thing is that people get i think the audience understands it's like you know they're presenting this is how it is everyone knows that there's racism we're, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. let's not pretend it doesn't exist, <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. like yeah. You know, the dichotomy of uh, my grandfather who was an, you know, grew up, actually, my, my mother's father grew up here, a few blocks away from where I live right now, grew up in a tenement right here, you know. Mm-hmm. Father died when the kids were young, it was a single mother with like six kids, one of whom was severely autistic, and they, they mm-hmm. all had to leave school really early and work, and you know, that kind of, wow. you know, existence and stuff. And my grandfather could say, sometimes would say the most horrendously racist things, mm-hmm particularly about black people. Mm-hmm. Yet, at the same time, he was a super in an apartment building that had mostly, you know, African Americans. Mm-hmm. And sometimes on weekends he would drive, there were two women whose husbands were in prison upstate and he mm-hmm. would drive them upstate because they had no way to get there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the next day he'd say some horrendous mm-hmm. thing. He's like, well, mm-hmm. she's not like that. She's, mm-hmm. uh, she's a, you know, good, you know. And I, was, I grew up seeing that kind of, yeah. Dichotomy in people Same. who could, you know, who, you know, there's this level of ignorance and fear. And I mean, I'm not defending his racism by any means. Sure. But, but I loved him, you you're know. You're defending he
0: was, his, I mean, you're not even defending, you're just showing his humanity. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel I, like that makes so much sense to me, not as a defense of these things, but more like, um, it's easy to slip back in your small-mindedness and fearful brain when the chips are stacked against you and you're just trying to make it at a place. When, like, when your claws are out trying to just make it, you can go back to like what the worst, basic, dumbest, most yeah. small patterns of this place can be. And then when you're your biggest self, you're like, oh, I see a human being.
1: And we would have the biggest debates about all that stuff. And then he, he knew how to get me Mm. He would say stuff because he knew it would provoke me because yeah, I, you know, yeah, I was young yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was making my own points, and he would, you know, poke at me. But I think the Sopranos, you know, by willing to show this kind of culture with warts and all, people appreciated that. Yeah, because yeah. if you sanitized it and cleaned it up, it would be like you well, know, you're just I don't you're know.
0: kind of sweeping all that stuff under the rug, which exactly. never works out. Yeah, there's a real love to just talk for real, not from a its intent too. You know the in- intent is so clear. is is so important, and you can usually feel that off the screen. I feel like when you can sense the intent.
1: Yeah, yeah. Is um is uh, a lot of Korean culture uh, Chris- Christianity? Is is it a um, popular religion in Korea? It, I think it became a popular
0: modern religion. I think originally it was very Buddhist. Yeah, um, a lot of Confucianism, but I think post Korean War there was a lot of. Chris, there was like Christianity was dropped off and then there was also a little bit of uh, hard capitalism dropped off. Those things can mix very well at times. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and are there a lot of uh, Korean Americans who are in part of Christian communities in, in the US? Oh yeah, yeah. oh
0: yeah. Th- and, and those were like those central nexus places where like it almost is like beyond the religion itself. You it's, know, a we, it's, it's, it's a, a community thing. It's a community yeah. thing. And you know, people immigrate over here, and they just kind of settle into that place to connect and be around people. Sure. Which church might be in general for everybody? I wonder. That
1: could be a very good thing, especially if you know when it's people who are coming from another country, and you know, it's like a place you can find, you know, acceptance.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's Uh, weird because, like, now that I revisit. Korean church these days and no no knock on it i think it's it, very invaluable for people who feel like they want that community and and i certainly love touching it too but i found myself going back to korean church lately and realizing that now that my parents aren't here it's not exactly the same it's not this like place to catch us but it's now kind of a place that can also hide us um. or be a safe space for those that need, but maybe you can indulge in it
1: too a little bit. That scene when 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 you go and you break down there is that kind of what's going on, feeling that like acceptance a bit. And how did you see that scene? Like, what do you think was going on? It's a I very so. powerful scene, by the way. It's oh, really, it was very moving particular. and very. You know, it's like wow, because you don't really expect it from your character. No, no up until that, you know, it's yeah. kind of the last thing you expect.
0: There, there, there's a lot of things you don't expect from Danny, especially when he like true. takes over the uh, takes over the praise band and he's singing yeah. an Amazing Grace right after. Yes. But um, I I I, I kind of liken it to this is where I landed. I think you know everybody's gonna come to their own conclusion about what that feels like. For me, the process of making that scene was really interesting because it kind of illuminated maybe what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, we shot the band, we shot the, uh, church members. And then when it came to me, you know, we all had this, like, everybody was rever- being very gracious to give me space. And I remember coming in before when the camera wasn't on me, and I was like, the classic acting thing where you're just like, oh, I'm in. Like, when the camera's not on me, easy. Like, let's go. I I can do it. Like, I feel it already. Like, I'm already kind of weeping right now in my bones. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can't wait. And then they flipped the camera on me, and then everybody stopped singing. And they just were like, cool, let's ISO on Steven because he's there dried up immediately I like I I tried I couldn't get it and um, I'm thankful that I have had enough experience to not push and so I just kind of like did the take didn't really go there just try to be present and uh, when we cut I was like hey I'm sorry I didn't get there but I don't think there's something off can I just go take a minute and I was just going to go take a minute and think about it and then I came back and I was like "Maybe, maybe I need to hear the song differently or something like that but then I realized, I was like, oh, everybody stopped singing. And that was it. It was the it was kind of the disappearing of the self that was oh. the key to that place and that and that oh. emotion. It was it was like Danny's holding his story, his pain, the way that the world crushes him, the way that his mind tells him the world is working at every other waking minute. But when he's singing in chorus with everybody, he can kind of like let that go. And then all of a sudden he feels this lightness a little bit. Or maybe this, a lot of mixed feelings. Just just this feeling of, uh, it, it lands at acceptance. But there's a, there's a, and I don't mean a shame, but like you're putting yourself out there when you're singing. You know, like when you're singing, I remember growing up at church and like, mouthing the words when i was younger Mm -hmm. because i was too afraid to sing because i was like it's embarrassing i don't want somebody to hear me sing and then you just get more and more just like you let go you let go and i think that was it for danny was a real letting go of his story that he tells himself every day that keeps him stuck in the place that Mm. he's stuck in
1: yeah it was very moving and very real and raw and uncomfortable you know, deeply and uncomfortable it. yeah okay. <laughs> and it, as it should be because it's yeah. like it takes you so by surprise thank you yeah it was really it, it, it's a really and I so when you when you shot it that next take did you have them sing
0: yeah I was like I actually turned to everybody I was like hey I actually think I need y'all to sing with me can you please sing with me and they all sang with me and then I was sobbing and like, that was very moving in, to you immediately yeah. yeah it was this yeah it was the feeling of not being alone
1: yeah, mm-hmm. and all of them being vulnerable singing because mm-hmm. singing there's a vulnerability to that, right? Absolutely. You know? and, and, yeah. and, and all of them being vulnerable at, and and that communal experience must have been very powerful.
0: Yeah, know? and I, and I think in that way that's where I feel a little bit bonded with White Lotus as well because that show is about vulnerability. Like you can't you can't roll up to that show as an actor, I think, without being aware of some aspects of yourself or why you, why you might be cast, not because that person is you, but like perhaps you it's the task is it's asking you to access parts of yourself a little bit to really connect
1: with the audience. And yeah. 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 When I first, like I said, when they said they were interested in having me, I hadn't seen it. they only sent a couple of scenes, you know, for the, for the tape, Mm -hmm. self tape. Uh, So I went and started watching it. And at first, I'm like, is this going to be some cynic, because, you know, cynicism yeah. is very popular today, right? Yep, yep. Is this yep. going to be some c- cynical statement about how rich people suck and
0: or yeah, white yeah, people right. suck
1: and the right. world sucks? Um, and I'm like, oh, wow. Mm. As I watched and watched, I'm like, this guy, Mike White, Mike white. is able yeah. to kind of like find humanity, as you brought up before, mm in these people who are, some of whom are, you know, saying or doing very despicable things, Mm -hmm. living, you know, questionable lives, yet he's able to find an element of of compassion for them. Mm. And that I thought was very skillful. Yes. Um, And if you can do that, and then suck you into a story, Mm. a really interesting story, wow. And I couldn't stop watching it. And then as soon as I had seen the show, as I put myself on tape before I saw the show, Mm. uh, I was shooting something else and I was really busy I just put myself on tape, and my manager said, you need to watch the show. I said, why? Said, They're like, you're not getting the tone. Mm, mm, mm. And then when I went and watched it, and then I retaped the scenes after yeah. it, seeing it because I really understood it. But, um, you know, I guess that's what a good writer does. They're able totally. to kind of, you know.
0: Well, there's good writing, and Mike White and, you know, Sonny are incredible, in my opinion. But also, you know... You got to find the right actor too. I don't know if you can yeah. just roll up to that, I think. No, you know, no, like, no, you're I, right. Yeah, watching you play your character that can be so heavily judged. That's not easy. That it, it, it's a that's a that's always the weirdest part about this um thing is how Yeah, I don't know. Every every role takes a you just cut in a little deeper and then this world gets a little stranger, I feel like.
1: Yeah. And you <laughs> have to see it from The inside, you can't you can't judge the character on your own kind of moral standard because then you're done, right? You're done. Yeah, yeah. Then White Lotus completely fails. Then White Lotus fails. Yeah, you know that's that's
0: the cool part was I was watching every actor just come from a real place, and that's awesome. And I'm glad shows like that exist right now in such a hyper cynical time where there's like new boxes now.
1: Yeah, that's that's exciting. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. New boxes you mean new like uncharted territory? Do you mean new boxes like th- I
0: actually mean like there's now the old boxes that we all tried to war against which was rightfully so. Oh, oh, now, you mean like new boxes
1: of definition yeah, and boundary yeah, and yeah. stuff. And ah, we've created yes. new
0: boxes which got quickly very dark and ah, yeah. And it's cool, I think To have shows, and there's like a lot of shows that are like this, which is really promising for me of like, you know, not abandoning each other and kind of understanding the humanity of people, not to justify their actions, but just to kind of like look at it for a second.
1: Yeah. To look at it. Exactly. To look at it. Yeah. And relate or not Mm -hmm. relate, but Mm -hmm. often relate. (laughs) Often relate. (laughs) Often relate. Yes. 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 Often you can relate, you know, feeling... You know, like Danny's, you know, that feeling of like wanting to take, to have that power, you know, not, mm-hmm. not to feel powerless, you know, mm-hmm. and I have to, you know, this is not, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. just like, I mean, I lived in California for like seven years and spent a lot of time in the car and it's, oof. there's a strange, there's oof. a whole different thing living. I don't have a car anymore. Yeah. So I try, I take the subway and walk a lot. Um, yeah. I take Ubers, but the subway probably more than anything. That's a very different thing. Totally. When you're in your car, there's a whole other you can very see how very easily those road rage can happen.
0: Here is like bubbles on bubbles on bubbles. Yeah. Whereas New York feels like there's bigger bubbles and then there's a whole New York bubble. But like yeah. here you're like you're trapped in your own reality really hard unless you're actively trying to connect with other people. I think yeah. in LA. It gets gnarly here. But yeah, yeah. it's it's nice. <laughs>
1: Yeah, every place has its positives and negatives. Totally, you know, totally. that's what I what I've found. <laughs> yes. Well, Stephen, it was a pleasure. Such a to pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, uh, true honor. This went Thank by you. really quick. We could have we could have gone on for another couple of hours. I'm sure. I hope and I, I hope
0: get p- to catch another conversation with you in the future. Yeah, we'll yeah. do it.
1: We'll do it in person next time. Yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. Over either Italian food or Korean food, or, both, or maybe Let's do some, both. Both. Maybe some hybrid of the two that I'm sure exists somewhere now. I'm going to find one. I'm going to find one. All (laughs) right. Sounds good.
0: Thanks for listening. The A24 Podcast is produced by us, A24. Special thanks to our editor, Tom Wyatt, and Robot Repair, who composed our theme.